This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This podcast is part of the 76ers Podcast Network. Search 76ers Podcast wherever you get your pods. The 76ers haven't played a game at full strength since the All-Star break, but guess what? (laughs) They don't seem to care. Here's a steal by Green. Danny Green's got Matisse. Lob play. Yeah! A two-hand jam! Timeout, Kings! This isn't Boston. This is Philly. This team just keeps getting it done. They're 6-1 and one in the second half of this season and are tied for the most wins in the league. Milton has the seven-footer on him, and he takes him all the way to the cup for two. Did you see that left-handed reverse layup using the rim as protection? Oh, my goodness. We focus on the Sixers' depth and respond to your calls, DMs, and mentions right here, as we always do, on Mailbag Monday. We got a streak going on for the second Monday in a row. We can say, Lauren Rosen, this is a victory mailbag Monday. It's the morning after. My brain's a little bit foggy because it was a later game than expected on Sunday at the Garden, but I'm still trying to piece together how in the heck did the 76ers pull out that 101-100 overtime dub against the Knicks? Well, Seltz, I look at the Sixers through similar lenses. We talk about sort of who pays the bills on these podcasts, and so I'm always (laughs) prone to look for the positives. But you say, how did they pull out the victory? I got to say, how did they have to pull out the victory the way that they did? (laughs) There were just a few things that didn't have to happen. And that's what Doc said afterwards. That's what Danny said. That's what Tobias said. That was the general vibe. But a win is a win. When I look at it, it's sort of like, okay, let's cut down on a couple of those sort of egregious errors that you might not make ever again in the rest of the season. And then it's a more traditional close but not as wacky victory that was a little bit too wacky for my taste and too wacky for their taste as well clearly when Matisse's three-pointer went down to make it a four-point game 86-82 with under two minutes to go I thought listen if Matisse with all due respect to his offensive game if Matisse is knocking down a potential dagger three Sixers are in good shape that was not the case I do think that we all sort of breathed a sigh of relief. That three seemed like clockwise and momentum-wise and possessions left-wise that that was going to be the end. That was not the end. You got to feel for Tobias Harris uh, on those free throws where he had the opportunity to ice the game. Tobias is not someone that, that usually makes excuses. So if he says after the game that his hand was really hurting and that he was genuinely having a really hard time putting those shots up, I totally believe him, and he must be just kicking himself that it that it could have ended there, and, and it just didn't. So good for him for making sure that he made that right at the line at the end of overtime. Then Danny Green coming right out of the gate in OT. Bang! Answer the Burks three with one. Comes back down another go-ahead three, answering another Alec Burks bucket. That speaks to vet value right there. He was tremendous. For sure, Selton. You mentioned Danny and Matisse as guys that had sort of the big shots down the stretch, at least from the field, absent Tobias Harris's free throws at the end of overtime. But I think it's interesting when you look back over the game since the All-Star break, almost every Sixer, if not every Sixer that's played rotation basketball since the break, has had a really big, meaningful moment at some point along the road. These guys have all stepped up 
really on both ends of the floor to make these victories happen. Furkan Korkmaz is the one I'm thinking of. And he had a big moment, and sadly it wasn't in a win. But everybody that's played has really proved that they can make things happen late in games. And I think that that's really exciting, that Danny and Matisse were the ones that were able to take everybody home last night on the offensive end. And I did think it was fitting that there we were with 5.3 seconds left, moments after Tobias Harris hit a three over Julius Randle, after Randle hit a single doink three over him in the corner to send the game to overtime. There was the loose ball foul, Randle the shove in the back of Tobias, Tobias goes to the line, 5.3 seconds left, he knocks down the free throws. Because I think, you know what? His offensive game was not the type of offensive game we've come to expect from Tobias this year. The three turnovers in the final minutes of the game, it was like, I'm not saying it was just on him. It seemed like he and Ben were not on the same page. and It was just like, what the heck is going on with that? Um, but for him to hang in there, I thought he did play as good a defense as he could have on Randall pretty much throughout the night, made it tough for him. That was a great shot that Randall made to send the game to overtime. I thought it was nice for Tobias to be there at the end and clinch the win. For sure. I mean, he's found ways to make it happen in tight games twice this week against the same team, but all season long, he's found ways to win tight games to make it happen when it matters most. So props to Tobias for stepping up. I mean, I can't imagine a more nerve wracking way to try to win a game than at the line in overtime. I mean, that's just a lot of pressure cells. Fittingly, in talking about fitting themes, the theme for this episode of Mailbag Monday is going to be, how are you feeling? Primarily, the primary theme. We're going to touch some other topics. But we really wanted to zero in on, and this is what we put on the At Sixers IG story sticker on Sunday. We do that every week to call out a question for your responses for every Mailbag Monday is, how do you feel about the 76ers depth heading into this stretch of the season based on how the team has come out of the All-Star break. So we're going to run through some of those responses. But I thought that it was timely, the way the game went down on Sunday, for that to be our main focus point for this week. Um, because not only do you have Matisse doing some good stuff, uh, and obviously uh, Danny Green, but I think Shake Milton, just based upon the game going to overtime, if the game had ended in regulation, I think a lot more people would have been talking about Shake Milton and the boost he gave the Sixers with his 21 points. So yeah. I thought it was a great, another great effort and a testament to the 76ers, 6-1 and one now without stretches of both Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons since the All-Star break. And noteworthy, the team has only lost once since Tobias Harris was not named an All-Star in 2021. These are facts. And it was close. These are facts. We cannot dispute them. Um, we can also not dispute the ways that you can get in touch with us for Mailbag Monday each week. We already referenced one way. Every Sunday on at Sixers uh, on their Instagram story, look for the Mailbag Monday question, respond, and we'll start running through some of those. We get a ton of responses through that. We can't get them all literally like um, a couple hundred. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, please do not take offense if we do not get to your prompt a response on Instagram. You can hit Lauren and I in the mentions on Twitter, at Brian Seltzer, at Lauren M. Rosen. And of course, our preferred method of communication is always the voicemail. 215-403-7637. 215-403-PODS. Leave a message whenever. You could just wake up in the middle of the night, can't go back to sleep. Call us, leave us a thought about the 76ers. Do it. We will gladly play just about every and all voicemail that you send in. We're here for you during times of insomnia. We're here for you if you stayed up last night to watch that game. I mean, my goodness, that was really something. <laughs> All right. With that, let us open up the mailbag talking about the 76ers depth. You have one new message. 
Yes, the Sixers with the most wins in the NBA since the All-Star break with six of them. The bench has been a big part of that. We asked you what encourages you the most about the 76ers' depth. Daddy underscore Bills on Instagram. 76ers winning without key players. This team is tough. I agree. Listen, to me, the bottom line is this. I don't care how the Sixers are winning games. Just win as much as you can right now without Joel Embiid. They were without Ben Simmons. They are without one of the best shooters in the league, Seth Curry. They've got the Nets and the Bucks right on their heels. They're playing, Lauren, I think, like they really do want that number one seed. I just don't think that's, that's talk that they throw out there. Yeah, they certainly are. They're winning winnable games, and they're also winning losable games. You have to think about the fact that this team is built – around Joel Embiid, and he has not been available over these last few games where the Sixers have found ways to win. It doesn't matter if the wins are pretty, like you said, but I think the more losable games you can win, and keep in mind, this is a team that's now above 500 on the road, so as they head into a few more road games, let's give them a little bit of space to maybe struggle a little bit. Maybe they won't. I think it's been really interesting to watch them sort of exceed expectations without Joel, without Ben, without Seth, without any combination of those three, because we've seen all the combinations (laughs) of without those three guys who, like we said yesterday, are three of the four primary offensive options for this team. And they're finding ways to get wins. Even if they're not pretty, they're still wins, and I'm down with them. Nuggy underscore fresh. It's encouraging to see that the Sixers can still win games without Embiid or Simmons. They play well as a team, all caps and team. Yeah, I think for me, Lauren, to speak to your point, I'm I'm done even thinking about the well, they can't win on the I was done with the they can't win on the road thing a while ago, but I'm also now done with the they can't find ways to win without Ben and Joel. I think if we get later into the year, right, we know Doc Rivers said as much. To get to where they want to go, they got to have their best players. But I think that for right now, they've shown that they can tread water in the regular season, um, and they have enough talent. Nate underscore dog three Gs four seven on Instagram. The versatility and how quickly players can adapt to different roles and being very efficient. I would say yes. 18th different starting lineup used by Doc Rivers. On Sunday against the Knicks, the 76ers have played, what, 43 games? I mean, that is an ever-changing ecosystem. And yes, the Sixers have adapted. I think that's a great point. Well, they're really playing as a team. And I love that that the fans have sort of started to recognize what they've been at least telling us in media, but also showing us on the court. This is a team that's developed a winning culture and they're willing to do whatever it takes. Nobody cares who starts, who comes off the bench. That's become something that's genuinely very clear. Doc Rivers told us he sort of tells the guys right before the game who's going to be starting. He doesn't do say anything extra. He doesn't ask for anything extra because the guys understand that regardless of where they're playing or who they're playing with, the goal is to win. Tobias Harris has actually said it a couple games in a row now that he really believes in the system that the team has created, and clearly his teammates believe in it as well. He says they've built a winning culture, and we're now starting to see that culture um, seep into, let's say, any lineup that the team throws out there. Moving on. You have one new message. What encourages you about the 76ers' depth? Scott underscore W dot L-U-F-C. I don't know how to pronounce that. Says Matisse Thibel's efficiency. Matisse Thibel, I'll be honest, I don't like making bold proclamations. But so far, when I go back to my sneaky second half of the season prediction, I did throw out there, I would expect Matisse to knock down a couple more threes. Hey, 
Our man is doing it. Matisse against the Knicks, two for five from three. He is now 10 for 19 from the outside since the All-Star break. And perhaps even more than that, he kept on firing after an early miss, Lauren, in Sunday's game against the Knicks. And the ball found him in the final minutes, and he hit a big one, as we said, to make it a four-point game. Yeah, to me, the willingness to take that late shot is maybe the most important of all because he has struggled offensively this season because he has been prone to defer to his teammates, which makes sense when your teammates are Seth Curry and Tobias Harris and Shake Milton. When those are your options, it makes sense that you might not want to be selfish with the basketball. But to see him take that confidence, take that shot and have it go in, I think is really huge. And I'm I'm glad that he kept shooting after having a little bit of a tough stretch because that confidence can be really key or really detrimental for a young player. So to see him keep going and then to see him keep it up on the defensive end too, which is where he makes his money, incredible. It's been really awesome to see him come back from the break the way that he has. I mean, the blocks of Matisse, I know we always talk about his steals and his ball hawking. Some of these blocks the last couple games have been off the charts. I mean, I'm thinking, I think we're probably both thinking of of De'Aaron Fox, that block from behind, and then he saved his own block and, and got it to a teammate. And I think that that sort of getting it back to a teammate was luck because he was lucky that his teammates were behind him where that pass was. But the instincts, um, Doc Rivers was asked about that play and called him Inspector Gadget. Um, it's it's really funny to, to see the way that Doc has, has started admiring Matisse's game and, and the way that Matisse is finding new things to do, new things to add. It does seem like he's continuing to get better, which is cool. Did you get the Inspector Gadget reference? Sort of. I, I was down with it. <laughs> but were you familiar with Inspector Gadget? I'm asking you this oh, because yes, 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 you're, yes. you're a little bit younger than I am, and I just I was curious if the masses understood the reference. I understood the reference. It's not the one that I would have jumped to immediately, um, but I I understood it once he said it. I, I had a chuckle and I admired the little spinny. Like I I I could see it in my head. I, I understand. Love it, love it. <laughs> Sticking with our IGS roll call. You have one new message. Nolan J, 45. I feel that seeing Tobias playing such good basketball shows that the Sixers have more than just two stars. Listen, I don't think you can make, I don't think it's any coincidence, why don't I say this, that Tobias, in two games against the Knicks, has played particularly aggressive. And I know that it wasn't the cleanest game for him on Sunday, but you could tell that he did have a little bit extra to him, I think, in both those games against the Knicks. I mean, no doubt about it. He he says that he takes these things personally. He's the one that's, he's said it. So I don't have a problem echoing what he said. I think at the end of the day, his teammates have also expressed the fact that if Tobias was putting up is putting up the numbers that he is as maybe a third option on this team, a second or a third option on this team, he would be putting up better numbers as a primary option on another team. Like, for example, a Julius Randle type of player. And I think that Tobias knows that, and I think he goes into matchups understanding that he has an opportunity to prove who really is the best player. And I think that this week has shown us, despite the struggles from the second matchup between the two teams. We got a few voicemails we got to get to. You have one new message. Two voicemails that came in Building on that theme, Tobias Harris, appreciation for him. We got these that rolled in, Lauren, after the first game against the Knicks last Tuesday, the I'm an All-Star proclamation game from Tobias Harris as he put that game away. Let's roll the tape. Hey, I'll tell you what. Watching tonight, Tobias Harris sent a message to the league, and especially to Julius Randle, he should have been an All-Star, not Randle. The way this team is playing right now, He's going to lead this team to high places along with Ben and Joel. Thanks. 
Bye. Yes, I love that. Reading the matchup within the matchup. Tobias should have been an all-star ahead of Julius Randle. And, yeah, I, I think that along with Ben and Joel, he does have the opportunity to lead the 76ers on a long, healthy run. I think especially when you look at the way he's been playing late in games. And again, there there were, were we're coming off of what was not the prettiest win. We know this, but he still was able to get to the line and and make the win happen in a very high pressure situation in overtime on the second night of a back-to-back when he had been struggling, when he had just missed a pair of free throws. And I think that that's really impressive. It speaks to his mental strength. And then when we talk about his physical strength and the way that his game has grown, we've seen that in fourth quarters and in overtime periods all season long. It's been really cool to watch his evolution. It's been really cool to watch him become a primary option in crunch time. It's It's been really cool to watch Tobias Harris this year. Some more love for Tobias on the pod line. Man, I'm watching a dark night right now because that's how Tobias Harris has been playing. He's been playing like the dark knight. He is an all-star. Philly knows he's an all-star. He doesn't have to prove anything to anybody. Just know we love him, and he's a bucket. We coming for the chip. Let's go Sixers. Tobias has kind of become a bucket, I think, Lauren. When the man shoots the basketball at any level, I'm expecting it more often than not to go in. And I think that's sort of the ultimate intangible test, right? When it leaves someone's hand, do you think it's going in? Yes or no? To me, it's almost always yes with Tobias. And especially, honestly, late in games. Late in games, I feel very at peace when the ball is in his hands. And I don't know that that's a quality that he's always had or in fairness, that he's always had an opportunity to develop. And this year, he has had the opportunity to develop as a closer and he's done it pretty brilliantly. Tobias is a starter. We're talking about depth. Death can be found all around. You have one new message. Ethan Sip on Instagram. What does he love about the 76ers' depth? Shake Deroom Milton. I like that twist on Shake's nickname. Shake Deroom Milton. That's funny. I gave him I gave him the Shake Curry tag last night when he took that really depthy three. That was something that Shake has been shooting well from three since we've known him and and his entire career. But really taking a few feet back from the line and just going for it and, and seeing it go in with confidence like that was a little bit Curry-esque to me. I was I was really impressed with Shake's confidence over the last couple of games. Another player that has struggled a little bit over the few games before that and has found a way to to continue shooting with confidence, playing with confidence, and and it paid dividends in this back-to-back. It's funny because on March 1st, he had the big game against Indy in the 76ers win. He dropped 26 on the same date that he went for 39 against Doc and the Clippers last year. And then, right, like you just said, a little bit quiet for Shake. A couple single-digit games coming back from the All-Star break against the Spurs in the first game against the Knicks. And you're kind of thinking, you know, maybe Shake's due for a, a bounce-back couple games. And lo and behold, it could not have come at a better time because without Seth Curry, the need for Shake and what he does and what he brings, that much more important. And here he's been the last two games. He's combined for 49 points, getting to the foul line, and he shot 18 for 32 from the field and 2 for 5 on threes. Really impressive stuff and and always excited to see a young player that really puts in the work and really puts in the time. You have one new message. Beginning to wind down the mailbag, Sammy Sahin underscore loves Furkan's confidence. Yes, I think that Furkan's confidence has been on full display 
these last couple games. The world is a better place when we have a Furkan Korkmaz who is firing on all cylinders and confident. His efficiency has gone up a bit, and even though he didn't uh, you know, uh, win the game against the Bucks a few games ago, loved seeing him knock down that corner three uh, to help send the game to OT. And he just plays with so much joy, Seltz. When Furkan is doing well, you can tell – you can see it on his face. You can see it on the faces of his teammates. Those guys love him. They love watching him succeed. When he hit those first few threes last night in New York, you saw the bench erupt. He got the bench involved in the first minutes of that game. And it's really cool to see the way that they all sort of rally together and, and rally behind one another's success and support each other when they need those confidence boosts. Furkan Korkmaz is another one who had a little bit of a tough stretch. He got hurt. He wasn't playing the way that we, we've become accustomed to seeing him play. And now he's sort of back doing that old Furkan Korkmaz buzzer beater three situation. It's been great to watch him the last few games. One more from the bag for this week. You have one new message. Mark Rothbart on Twitter says, I'm saying it again, Dwight Howard is my favorite sixer, setting an example of how hard you have to play to be a winner. He is my Sixers MVP. A couple great points within that comment. Number one, this has nothing to do with what Mark said specifically, but just in a general sense. When will we start seeing number 39 76ers jerseys at the center? I think we're due for it. I think it's coming right up, Seltz. I the agree. fans have so rallied around Dwight, and Dwight has embraced the fans. It's been one of my favorite things to watch since fans came back into the building. It's just the constant interaction between Dwight and the fans. He loves them. He wants to hear from them, good or bad. He's ready to engage with them. He's embraced them wholeheartedly. He's all about the frosty freeze out. And the way he's embraced the fans, he's also clearly embraced his teammates. He's been such an interesting acquisition for the Sixers this year. And it's been a pleasure to get to know him um, as a someone that's talking to media, as someone that's playing, as someone that's getting to know the fans. Dwight has been a truly unexpected delight all season long. Listen, we've got Passover coming up. We've got Easter coming up. Put it on your list for Elijah. Put it on your list for the Easter Bunny. The number 39, Dwight Howard, 76ers jersey. City edition, earned edition, statement, icon, whatever you want. Number 39 jersey. He's earned it. He's earned the support. And the he is not just a great vibes guy. He is playing an essential role right now without Joel Embiid. And also there were a few games without Ben Simmons. He is the second leading rebounder in the NBA since the All-Star break. That's in total rebounds behind Rudy Gobert, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, no, I'm sorry, behind uh, Jonas Valanciunas of the Grizzlies. So Dwight has the second most rebounds. He has three double-doubles since the break. He has been phenomenal, just crashing those boards. The Sixers have needed that. And this is all coming off the bench, playing fewer minutes. It's something we talk about with Matisse a lot as well. Some of these guys on the bench for the Sixers are beating out starters on other teams, being more productive, more efficient than guys that are playing heavier minutes on other teams. It's really cool to see the way that this bench has rallied together, and Dwight Howard is no doubt a huge part of that. And to bring this, Lauren, all full circle, uh, coincidentally, the 76ers will be at the Lakers later this week on Thursday night. I think that what you see from Dwight Howard and Danny Green in particular, these are veterans that have come in, and I know it's cliched and easy to say, well, they won a title last year, and they've been around a while. They know how to win. If you've watched the Sixers this year, I think that you can see a direct connection between how the Sixers have handled certain situations and the tone that these two players have set. Whether it's Dwight being goofy or being aggressive on the floor, 
filling a role despite being a future Hall of Famer coming off the bench, Danny Green knowing when to insert himself, all that stuff, when to throw a post-game party after a win or a loss. I think these veterans know what they're doing, and I don't think it's by accident um, that they were on winning teams last year, especially for someone like Danny Green. The guy hasn't been on three title teams by accident. No doubt about it. It was really interesting to hear from Doc Rivers that in that win over New York on Sunday night, Danny was the most vocal sixer in the huddles. He was talking about how they weren't going to let this one get away from them. He was in all of his teammates' ears. He was playing sort of maybe even an assistant coach role for the group. And that's something that you need from your veteran leaders, especially the ones that have been through a lot, that have seen it all, like a Danny Green, like a Dwight Howard, and even like a Tobias Harris. The three of them, I think, all bring really interesting perspectives, different skill sets, different strengths, and their young teammates have been praising their leadership all season long. It's been cool to see that sort of leadership veteran triumvirate grow over time and Danny Green no doubt a huge part of that good stuff on this week's mailbag thanks to everyone who chimed in on Instagram on the pod line on Twitter we love it mailbag Monday for you and we love hearing from you so thanks so much for submitting all that stuff we got uh, what do we got coming up this week? We got a deep dive on Friday with Devon Givens per usual. We'll all be sleepy because we're watching these late games. We'll be able to react to not only a Lakers game that will feature perhaps no LeBron, no AD, maybe no Marcus Saul. Trade deadline is also on Thursday, so there will be things to discuss, Lauren, later this week. It'll be an interesting one. Looking forward to talking to you through it all, Celts. And if you missed it over the weekend, new episode of Tom's Talks dropped on the feed. He chats with the one and only Furkan Korkmaz, so give it a listen. And one final shout-out before we say so long for this week on the mailbag. Congratulations, B-Ball Paul. Paul Reed named the NBA G League Rookie of the Year for his great performance inside the bubble in Orlando. That news came down earlier this afternoon. Awesome stuff from the Bluecoats and Paul Reed. All right. Be on the lookout in your DMs if you're the swag bag winner for this week. Thanks as always. We'll talk to you next time. See ya.